from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB. In today's news, WIA President Justin VK7 Tango Whiskey, VK4UH Harry Angel Contest Manager, VK6AXB with exciting beacon news, VK4DI and Pirates Expected at Alara Meet in Cairns, WIA's Roger Harrison joins us, as do regulars Felix, Jason and Brian, VK3GR. Bendigo Amateur Radio and Electronics Club invite all to their July 21 meeting. Barrick member Cole, VK3LED, will provide an interesting presentation on an aircraft tracking system called ADS-B, in which electronic equipment on board automatically broadcasts precise location and other information via a digital data link. It enables aircraft to be accurately tracked by air traffic controllers and other pilots without the need for conventional radar. Now it just happens, and we've made mention of this several times in WIA National News, and again here, you can help out with ADSB. The organisation that provides the Planefinder.net website and the Planefinder app are looking for more volunteers in numerous areas of Australia that would be interested in setting up a free ADSB receiver at their location to help improve the coverage in Australia. Volunteers in areas that additional coverage is needed will be provided with a free ADSB receiver, cable and external area to set up and operate. The high priority areas are shown in this week's text edition, best read at wia.org.au. Now you can see Planefinder service in action by typing planefinder.net in your browser and locating the map to your part of the world. Now, particularly if you're within range of Bendigo July 21, VK3LED will demonstrate how he receives this data directly from aircraft and feeds it into the international database. 7.30 Friday, July 21 at Barrack Club Rooms, 20 Longley Lane, Longley. A gold coin donation would be appreciated. Tea, coffee and biscuits always available. Historic flight reached New Zealand. Pilot and radio amateur Brian Lloyd, WB6RQN, 62 of Texas, is marking the flight by Amelia Earhart 80 years ago. On his flight to New Zealand, Brian, in his small aircraft, flying by visual flight rules, had a minor transgression by nudging restricted airspace, but, after correction, landed some 95 kilometres north of Sydney at Warnenvale. After exiting VK via Sydney International, Brian encountered thundersnow but used a storm scope to help navigate a path at a lower altitude where he did have warmer air, no snow, no lightning and no icing. At time of this broadcast going to air, Brian should be almost above the most promising position the late aviatrix Amelia Earhart was estimated at before going missing and will drop a wreath on the reef. After the VK Logger Forum group was disbanded, and who could blame them in this age of litigation, a group called Oz Logger was started. Now that's changed. The new domain name is ahrdf.net, Australian Ham Radio Discussion Forum. The previous content is still available under ahrdf.net. The current user details, including logins, have been transferred, so in reality it will be very much the same as before. You will need to update any bookmarks to this new domain name, however. The old domain name, oslogger.net, will automatically direct you to the new forum.
Doug, VK4ADC, says, For those wishing to use TapTalk to access the forum via phone or tablet, you will need to find the AHRDF access link on TapaTalk, as the old OzLogger one is no longer valid. Please note, you cannot register for the forum via TapaTalk. And still folk lose their call signs. After some chatter on social media, it seems all license holders need to make sure their license details are up to date with the ACMA, ensuring that their address and email are kept to date. And clubs should do this as well, making sure the call sign is in the correct name and it is assigned as a club license under the license conditions section. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. G'day, this is Justin, VK7 Tango Whiskey. There's a fair bit going on at the moment to improve your WIA. As heard last week, three directors spent time in the WIA office in Bayswater with Bruce and Petra and a number of other members. We were very impressed with the dedication and hard work that Bruce and Petra put into their roles to support our organisation and the membership. I hear nothing but praise for their work. To further support Bruce and Petra, we encourage members and amateurs who need to contact the office to first consult the frequently asked questions on the WIA website, and if you cannot find an answer, then please email the office. If you don't have email facilities, then please try ringing the office between 11am and 4pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. This provides an expanded window for VK5, 6 and 8 to contact the office by phone and enables Bruce and Petra to focus uninterrupted on work outside these hours. The Spectrum Strategy Committee is also working hard drafting the WIA response to the various phases of the Spectrum Reform and 3.6 gig Spectrum consultations. Directors and Peter Young, who is the WIA Regulatory Council, have also held their regular meetings with the ACMA in the last few weeks and these have confirmed our constructive and beneficial relationship. I attended the annual Gippstech VHF and above microwave and weak signal conference which was held in Churchill in Gippsland a couple of weeks ago. This is my annual microwave inspiration weekend and one of the presentations was given by Peter Young, VK3MV, titled The International Governance of Amateur Radio, The Role of the IARU. Now Peter is a Region 3 Director of the IARU. He emphasised the international heritage that amateur radio enjoys with linkages all the way back to 1925 when the IARU was formed and the WIA was a founding member society. Society. What does the IARU do? Well, it advocates internationally and regionally to protect existing spectrum and seek new allocations. It submits technical information papers and coordinates the work of member societies, enhances the role of the amateur service and it trains regulators in emerging countries through the Support to Amateur Radio or STARS program. And Vietnam is a recent success story. The IARU is funded through national radio societies with member societies paying dues to the regions who contribute to the central body. The WIA's contribution is about a dollar per per member per year and for international advocacy that's cheap. The IARU is a sector member of the International Telecommunications Union or the ITU who sets the international radio regulations. These regulations are an international treaty between member states of the ITU and Australia is a member. 
Australia attends the World Radio Conference every four to five years where the regulations can be modified. These regulations are critical to the amateur service worldwide. And Peter demonstrated this criticality by listing achievements at recent WRCs. The WRC in 1979 got us the WARC bands. 2003, eliminating the Morse code requirement and setting the minimum standards and qualifications for the amateur services. 2007 and 12, there were new allocations for 2200 and 630 metres, and in 2015, there was a new allocation on 60 metres and 77 gigahertz, with co-primary allocation due to the amateur service demonstrating they are responsible users through technical studies. The WIA has a special linkage with member Dale Hughes, VK1DSH, being the chair of Working Group 1 of the ITUR Working Party 5A, which is the ITU home of amateur issues and where any technical discussions on relevant WRC agenda items takes place. Having a highly qualified and well-respected amateur as the chair of this important working group does enormously support our cause. I thank Peter Young, VK3MV, and Dale Hughes, VK2DSH, for their time and continued involvement in this incredibly important aspect of our hobby. I leave you with a heads up for the next few weeks. The board is about to ask for expressions of interest to fill a number of important roles that include the Strategy Committee members, Audit and Risk Committee members, Radio Activities Committee Chair, Privacy Officer and Inward QSL Manager. So, if you are wanting to become involved in the running of your national representative body and believe you have the right skill set, then please seriously consider these vacancies. This has been Justin, VK7 Tango Whiskey, for the WIA Board. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. This week, I'm going to discuss our emissions, as in the RF emissions that we radiate from our antennas. Signals we send out are also known as electromagnetic radiation or electromagnetic emissions as the official term has it. The ACMA uses the term electromagnetic emissions, abbreviated EME, but the acronym EMR is also widely used for the same thing. There's a question I get asked at amateur radio meetings and at Hamfest, which I also hear on the air and read on social media, which goes like this. When the ZLs can have a kilowatt, why can't we? Sometimes added is the fact that amateurs in many other countries have been able to run a kilowatt or more for decades. Many amateurs ask the question, why is it that we just can't have it like amateurs in so many other countries, New Zealand, America, Canada, Japan, South America and so on? The central issue comes down to that of compliance with electromagnetic radiation standards in Australia. As licensed radio amateurs, we have an obligation to comply with our license conditions, the LCD. Part and parcel of that is complying with a condition attached to all apparatus licenses applying to transmitting installations, broadcast stations, cell phone towers, TV stations and etc., which refers to electromagnetic emissions. I understand that this obligation will still apply under the coming regime of parameters-based licensing when the new Radio Communications Act comes into force. However, Australia is unique in the world when it comes to radio communications regulation embodied in licence conditions and compliance with electromagnetic standards. Here the two things are linked, but nowhere else in the world.
In sunny Australia, our radio communications regulator, the ACMA, has the responsibility to ensure compliance. It's an issue of public risk. Complaining that New Zealand, America, Canada, Japan and other jurisdictions allow high power in their amateur licence conditions doesn't cut it. You're not comparing like with like. The ACMA has a responsibility to the public to ensure that electromagnetic emissions from all radio transmitting systems do not represent a harmful situation to the general public. In fulfilling that responsibility, the ACMA needs to know where possibly harmful transmitter systems are located and that such locations are recorded on a licence. So, is there any hope for change? In the recent WIA consultation on licence conditions, question 3 in phase 1 canvassed responses on a sensible pragmatic review of permitted powers for all amateur licence grades. More than 77% of respondents indicated that they were totally in favour, while over 13% were in favour of limited change. We're working on it. Advocacy, education, support, that's what we do. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. International news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Contester to be honoured, non-amateur satellites and WRC-19 preparations. The International Amateur Radio Union Region 3 directors are to meet just before the JARL ham fair in September where the IARU Region 3 highest scoring single IARU HF Championship operator for 2016, Hajimi Juliet Romeo 2 Golf Romeo X-Ray, will be presented with the Michael Owen plaque. Chairman Gopal Victor Uniform 2 Golf Mike November, writing in the latest IARU Region 3 newsletter, reports that there have been a proliferation of small educational satellites without any amateur radio payloads but using amateur frequencies. The IARU wants frequency coordination to be a precondition for accepting satellite launches. The U2GMN says the IARU will also approach the respective administrations through its member society to stop the misuse of amateur frequencies. Work continues on the agenda items of interest to the amateur service and amateur satellite service at the ITU World Radio Communications Conference WRC 2019. Two IARU Region 3 directors, Shizuo, Juliet Echo 1 Mike Uniform India, and Wisnu, Yankee Bravo Zero Alpha Zulu, with the Australian delegate member, Dale Hughes, VK1 Delta Sierra Hotel, will be at the APT Conference Preparatory Group later this month in Indonesia. This is where a preliminary regional view will be discussed for each WRC19 agenda item. Increased release of 5 MHz to radio amateurs but not VK. The latest radio amateurs to use 5 MHz or the 60 metre band as a secondary allocation are in Belize, Cyprus, Philippines and Jamaica. The ITU World Radio Communications Conference in November 2015 gave the amateur service a secondary allocation of 5351.5 to 5366.5 kHz with a maximum power of 15 watts EIRP effective isotropic radiated power, up to 25 watts EIRP, dependent on defined areas. However, in some areas, incumbents on those frequencies are delaying its release. 
The Wireless Institute of Australia, WIA, has it firmly on its agenda with the Australian Communications and Media Authority, along with a spot frequency at 70 MHz. The most powerful radio signals in the world are on SHF. Rory Norton, Zulu Sierra 2 Bravo Lima, at Port Elizabeth, drew our attention on the forum to the powerful transmitters that are used on the VLF and ELF bands with output powers ranging up to 14 megawatts and very large antenna systems. But all these stations are eclipsed by the extremely high-power Klystron transmitters that are currently in use in the field of radio astronomy. Carl Sagan and Frank Drake used this type of transmitter at Arecibo, Puerto Rico to send the most powerful radio signal ever from Earth into space. The radiated power was 20 terawatts generated by a 20 megawatt klystron for a period of five minutes and carried a digital message. The signal was travelling in the direction of the constellation of Hercules, which happened to be overhead at the time. Stanford University has designed klystrons with an output up to 150 megawatts operating on 500 kilovolts. Tests have already produced one gigawatt of power when using microsecond pulses and higher powers are being planned. For WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Ham Radio Operational News, it's Contact Sport. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. Trans Tasman Low Bands Challenge this weekend, July 15 16. 10 10 International Summer Contest, August 5 and 6. VK1 Winnesota Curacao Party takes place August 6, 2017, 9am to 11.30am. WA Flagship Contest and Remembrance Day Contest, 12th and 13th of August. Results in two contests arrived on my desk this week, the Harry Angel Memorial Sprint and the VK Shires. In a moment, Kevin VK4UH with the Harry Angel results, but first to the Shires, where that contest has been and gone again and all the logs have come in. This year, Trent VK4TS says, We have new champions in all categories, including Single Old Ball Band. John VK5PA managed to scrape up an amazing 300 plus QSOs for a corrected score of 61,800. This was way ahead of the second place getter, Sean VK3VH, with a credible 15,900. And third place getter, Laurie VK5LJ, finishing off the top three with 8,440. Foundation Award. VK4FMAX was the top dog foundation this year and VK4FMAX won't be doing a repeat next year as his upgrade to Advanced. Well done on both counts, Mark. More in-depth looks at all categories, etc. at the links we like on this week's text edition. Good morning. This is Kevin, VK4 United Henry. And with Charlie Strong, VK4 Yankee Zulu. On behalf of the Redcliffe and District Radio Club in Queensland, we are the contest managers for the Harry Angel Memorial 80 metre sprint. The Harry Angel was established in 1999 to commemorate the life of Harry Angel VK4HA, who at the time of his becoming a silent key was the oldest licensed amateur in Australia. Each year the contest runs for 106 minutes and that represents one minute for each of Harry each year of Harry's life. And the contest is run across four sections, phone, CW, mixed, and shortwave listener. This year, uh, the contest was held on May the 6th, and this represented the 18th year of the, uh, of the contest running. And we had 54 entries uh, across all four categories this year. 
and we received entries from all of the VK call areas except VK8 uh, and also from ZL and we're very happy to see that we had four F calls who, uh, who entered the contest. Place winners in, the, uh, in all four categories of the contest are awarded very attractive certificates from the, uh, the Redcliffe Group and points gained in the contest uh, are also usable towards the WIA contest champion, that is the Peter Brown Trophy. This morning I'm very happy to, uh, to announce for the first time the place winners for the 2017 Harry Angel Memorial Sprint. In the CW section, first prize went to Steve Salvia, VK7 Charlie Whiskey with a score of 48. Second prize to Skip Hodson, VK2 Alpha Lima Radio with a score of 42. And third position to Kurt Olsen Jensen, VK2 Kilo Juliet Juliet with a score of 38. In the mix section, that is phone and CW, first position this year went to the VK5 Whiskey Oscar Whiskey Station. That's the, uh, the call sign run by Grant Willis and that's the WIA GM Special Event Station. And they uh, amassed a score of 105 points. Second position in the mix section went to Larry Mew, Laurie Mew, VK5 Lima Juliet with a score of 78. And third position to Alan Shannon, VK4 Sierra November with a score of 75 points. In the phone section, highest score went to Chris Carroll, VK2 Sierra Romeo with a score of 79. Second position, Christopher Platt, VK5 Charlie Papa, score of 74. And third position to Rob McKnight, VK2 Mike Tango with a score of 72. In the shortwave listener section, we had two entries. Uh, the highest score went to Marcus Berglund with a, for a score of 61 points. And section, second position holder to John Ramsey, who scored uh, 27 points. And well done to everybody. Normally, our results would have been published before now. But in the, uh, in the interests of fairness... We felt it necessary to return a number of the entries to the, uh, the stations for clarification. Um, and I'd urge everybody to closely read the rules next year, uh, particularly in terms of, uh, of how the logs are required. Full details of all of the results and the entries will shortly be published on the WIA contest website. They will also appear in the AR magazine, and certificates for the place winners will be posted out to the, uh, to the winners shortly. On behalf of Charlie, VK4YZ, and I'd like to offer our thanks for all of the stations who operated during this year's Harry Angel contest uh, and for those who submitted their logs. Clearly the contest is still very viable. We had more entries this year than we'd had in, uh, in the previous four years. So it looks like there'll be uh, another contest next year. Full details of that are also available and will be published on the WIA contest website in due course. Thanks to everybody. This is Kevin, VK4UH, on behalf of the Redcliffe and District Radio Club, the managers of the Harry Angel Memorial 80-metre sprint. Now many of us go chasing wallpaper, be it contesting, DXing or special event stations, some of which truly are special and cause us to thankfully remember. One Aussie event took place over several nights in July 1942. 
three Jap air rays on Townsall, and a fourth on Mossman, inland from Port Douglas. Mossman must have had some special significance to the Japanese, as earlier in 1942, Taylor's Bay in Mossman, New South Wales, still to this day bears testimony to the Japanese midget submarine attack on Sydney with a home heritage listed because it has a crack in the balcony from the ensuing explosions. But back to the story's main thread, VK4KG. VK4KG, the amateur radio station based at the RAF Townsville Aviation Heritage Centre, is planning a number of operations over the next few months remembering the bombing of Townsville on this, the 75th anniversary. Monday the 24th of July. Portable operation from the breakwater near the entertainment centre close to where the first bomb fell. Tuesday the 25th of July. Portable operation from Palorana close to where the second bomb fell. Wednesday the 26th of July. Portable operation from Anumba close to where the third bomb fell. St Kitts, V47JA. SSB on 160 to 6 metres from the 12th of July until the 5th of August. Look for him particularly during the Odoo contest at the end of July. Until the end of September, VK4 Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club is operating special event call sign VI4SC50 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the official naming of the Sunshine Coast on the 1st of August 1967 and is proudly supported by the Sunshine Coast Regional Council with a grant of $1,250 to go towards expenses such as QSLs and certificates etc. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Hello, this is Anthony, VK6AXB, from WAG, the West Australian Repeater Group, with an update on the International HF Beacon, VK6RBP. You may know that the International Beacon Project is run by the Northern California DX Foundation. There are 18 beacons located around the globe, each transmitting in separate 10-second blocks across five bands, with a whole lot synchronised to repeat every three minutes. The Beacon Network was first established in 1995 and is a very useful propagation tool, but it was becoming increasingly unreliable, mainly due to the ageing equipment. And VK6RBP's had its own share of these problems with extended time off here in the last year or two. Now, however, NCDXF are rolling out Beacon version 2, and we're pleased to report the new radio and controller have arrived safely in VK6 and were installed up at the site on Sunday, July 9th, and we'd be very grateful for any signal reports. If you need a reminder, the beacons transmit in CW mode on the following frequencies 14.110, 18 21.110, 21.150, 24.930, and 28.200. The CW ident and the first dash ascend at 100 watts, with the three dashes following at 10 watts, 1 watt, and 100 milliwatts power level, respectively. So please listen out for VK6RBP and let us know if you hear it. And more information about the beacons is at ncdxf.org. I'd like to thank those who assisted with the beacon installation and on-air testing. Bob, VK6ZGN, Trevor, VK6MS, Graham, VK6RO, and especially Walt, November 6 X-Ray Golf, and everyone at the NCDXF. Signal reports can be emailed to secretary at whiskeyalpharomeogolf.org.au or if you're in VK6, you can provide a signal report directly by calling into WAG's Technical and General Net, which is every Sunday at 02.30 Zulu, that's 10.30 local time, on repeater VK6RLM, 146.750, and that's also got Echolink and Allstar. You could also come to WAG's next meeting, 
which is at 7.30pm on Monday the 7th of August at the First Pelican Point Sea Scouts Club Rooms, which is on Australia 2 Drive in Crawley. Once again, I'd like to thank Graham and the news teams at VK1WIA for putting this to air. And this has been Anthony, VK6AXB, on behalf of WAG. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hi, I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news and ATV where every pixel tells a story. The amateur radio on the International Space Station, ARIS International Team, is to transmit a set of 12 pre-selected SSTV images that capture the accomplishments of ARIS over the past 20 years, and it starts Thursday, July 20, around 21.25 UTC. The images gathered worldwide are expected to depict school-based events, ARIS equipment, ground station operators and astronauts or cosmonauts. For everyone interested in receiving the SSTV images, the equipment required is relatively basic. The most popular SSTV software seems to be MMSSTV, and the mode will be PD120. PD180 may be a second option. On 145.800 FM, using the high-powered Kenwood transceiver on board. SSTV images received can be posted on a blogspot for the public to view, with the URLs for that and the latest information in the text of this broadcast. Now... Worldwide Special Interest Group's Ballooning. Sisters Planning Solar Eclipse Balloon. GeekWire via Southgate News reports Seattle sisters Rebecca, age 12, and Kimberly, 10, are planning to launch a new high-altitude balloon mission with APRS tracking for the solar eclipse over the US on August 21st. The Seattle sisters, daughters of radio amateur Winston Young, KI7CSK, are behind a series of missions which have launched Lego toys into the stratosphere on APRS high-altitude balloons. This time, they're teaming up with the pros at NASA for a flight tied to the 21st of August total solar eclipse. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Group's CW. Morse code in a new dimension. Amateur Radio Newsline in a recent edition looked at a bit of modern innovation. A Morse key that's made from a 3D printer. Although that's where the key originates, its real roots are in the imagination of the 14-year-old son of Texan radio amateur KC5ILR, who developed the key to make his son happy. Joe says his son wanted something cool and colourful for Morse code, and the 3D printing of the key made him happy, plus it sends code. Now if someone can find a way to print a 3D noise filter to clean up the bands, we've got it made. Now to Worldwide Special Interest Groups... Listen out for females in radio. Alara Meet 2017 registrations close at the end of July and if you haven't registered yet, please go to the website and download the registration form. This event only happens every three years and the VK4 organisers have a great program planned. The provisional program is on the website www.alara.org.au. You don't have to be an Alara member to attend. A special accommodation rate for attendees has been negotiated with the Cairns Colonial Club. We have a mix of YLs from almost every state and DXYLs as well. This meet in Cairns is a wide variety of activities including tours to the great tourist attractions in and around Cairns, breakout sessions on computer logging and contesting and much more. All this culminates in a gala pirate themed dinner on Sunday night, September 10th. 
there will be prizes for those who want to come along in costume. The special event station, Victor India 4 Alara, is being activated by VK4 Wales as publicity for the meet. Diane VK4DI is activating it on the Monday answer net most weeks. Any VK4 Wales who wants to activate the call can contact Diane via email, publicity at alara.org.au, to book a day and time. And back with me, Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW. So far, 36 Aussies are in next month's International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The annual fun event, now in its 20th year, has 10 registered VK3s, then some in VK2 on 8, VK5, 6, 7, 5 each, with VK4 having 3. These are traditional Fresnel lighthouses plus the Williamstown Time Ball Tower, VK3WI, that gave accurate time in Hobson's Bay to the ships nearby. Two are particularly mentioned here because it takes tremendous effort to reach them. At King Island, Glen VK3CAM flies in to be VK3ILH-7 at the Cape Wickham Lighthouse, and there will be fishing too. Peter VK4HOY, a former head lighthouse keeper himself, will be off the South Queensland coast on the Great Barrier Reef at Lady Elliot Island Lighthouse as VK4LLE. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, with more than 275 registrations from 36 countries, this year falls on August 19th and 20th. Worldwide Special Interest Group's radio scouting the Jamboree on the Air, Jota, will be held for the 60th time in October. The theme this year is 60 Years Connecting Scouts. Starting out with Amateur Radio to link up Scouts in 1957, this year's theme reflects the growth in participation and the increased communication channels. Amateur Radio has been joined by the internet-based means such as social media, Skype and others. The aim has been to allow conversation to discover geographic and cultural differences or similarities, plus exposure to technology that makes all this possible. This year's Jota Jyoti, that's the jamboree on the internet, is held on October 20 through the 22nd, has over 1 million scouts and girl guides from more than 150 countries taking part. And that's all from me in the infirmary at Radio Studio 6B in Melbourne. I'm Brian, VK3GR, signing off. Finally, on the social scene, July 22 in VK3, the Great Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest. July 22 in VK4, it's the Caboolture Hamfest. August 27 in VK2, Sarkfest Show, Tell and Sell Day. And the Central Coast Amateur Radio Club in VK2 has set the date for next year's annual Wyong Field Day as the last Sunday of the month of February. That's the 28th of February. Bob Hudson, VK2 AOR, tells us the club is planning a better selection of food to be served in the bistro on the second floor. And with that thought of food wafting through the air, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.